0: What's going on guys welcome back to another episode of the no rain no rainbows podcast as always it's a pleasure to have you and a big shout out to my executive producer andre settles subtle solution media helping to make this podcast possible this episode is a great one i'm going to go ahead and declare it right now i'm excited to introduce our guest for today personal change chef podcast host bobby Kaler, with us here on the podcast bobby how are you
1: i'm doing fantastic how are you doing
0: I'm doing wonderful. I can't complain. It's a beautiful day inside and out. And as for our listeners getting introduced to you, I always love making sure that our guest has an opportunity to just take the floor, address the audience with whatever their testimony, their story, and whatever it is they want to say to the audience. So, Bobby, the floor is yours.
1: All right. Well, let me think. I'm an empowerment coach. Mm -hmm. And so really what I do is I help people open up new possibilities for themselves And then pursue those opportunities. Mm. Because I think that when we're doing that, that's how we really can be intentional with crafting our own life. You know, and that's just an important thing to me because, you know, I found myself when I was in my early 20s, kind of going down a certain road, like my predictable future, if you will, it wasn't very good. (laughs) And, And I thought, you know, I wanted to be able to write my own story. But I think that the path for me started, like I said, I was in my early 20s. And it was a very cold New Year's Eve night, and at the time I was working two jobs. Mm -hmm. I was barely keeping my head above water. I mean, I was I was doing the classic macaroni tuna fish casserole several times a week because it was cheap and it went a long way. Oh yeah, we've all (laughs) been there. Whether it's ramen too. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, you put cr- crumble up the uh, potato chips on top of it. That's oh, yeah. when it's really good. Yeah, it's way better, <laughs> way better that way. But see, I, I was I hadn't gone to college yet either because my parents didn't believe in it, mm-hmm. and I actually I had to fight with my mom to stay in high school. She really mm-hmm. wanted me to drop out. So there I am. I'm 23. You know, I'm barely making it. And I was sitting there in my little apartment. And I thought, how did my life end up this way? Because like I wasn't going anywhere, and where I was going, it was not good. And and it occurred to me, it's like, you know what, your life is a reflection of the choices that you've made so far. And at first I was kind of bummed because I'm like, well, (laughs) there's no one to blame. with that. And and then I thought, but in like the next second, I thought that is so hopeful because Mm -hmm. if it's true, you know, that my life is a reflection of the choices I've made so far, that means that I can make better choices. If I learn that, and then I can ultimately affect my future, and I think that I didn't know it at the time, but I think that's kind of what started me on this path, because from there, like it was this hunger to learn how do I make better choices, you know, how do I become a better version of me? And so then I've lived it, and then I, when I finally was able to pay my way through college, I fell in love with psychology, and my undergrad is in human performance improvement, and then my master's is in. Well, it's based on the science of human flourishing. So how do we help people be at their best? So it was like just this great sandbox, you know, of of things I just loved. And then, you know, in my professional career at this point, I've coached more than 3,000 people. So I've got to see a lot. And I've lived it, you know, it's like, so I don't know, I I get excited about this. So that might be more than you wanted. I don't know. No, that's exactly
0: (laughs) what we wanted. And and I love that because it bridges the personal experience into the expertise and to the profession and what you do when you continue to pour into others. So I, I love bridging that gap and kudos for you for taking that journey. When I first was looking through your bio and reading up on you, and the first thing that stood out was, You know, you shouldn't be alive is something you rarely hear from a doctor. (laughs) Tell us about that.
1: Oh, my goodness. That happened. It was March 6th of 2003 is when I collapsed. But the story actually began probably 10 months before that. My husband and I, well, he was my boyfriend at the time. We had moved from Chicago out to Portland. We started a business. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, you find yourself not taking care of yourself, Mm -hmm. maybe pushing too hard. And all the things, I'd always been an athlete, but I was stressed out and I was working really hard. And I stopped doing the things that, you know, to take care of myself, like running, like weightlifting, like eating well, all those things. So over the course of 10 months, I went from being this active athlete to someone who could, like, I couldn't stand up long enough to take a shower. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I, I lost a third of my hair. And the day when I finally admitted that I had a problem, I couldn't brush my teeth anymore. That's how bad it was. And then it took, it well, the whole journey took around 10 years to get all the way back to health. But I, I you know, after about five or six years, I was no longer sick. But mm-hmm. I had one doctor, it was a few months, about six months in, he told me, because we did some tests, and he's like, I just have to tell you, he said, for what we think this is, only 3% of people will experience a full recovery. And I'm kind of slow sometimes, because <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my first question back to him was, okay, but when can I go for a run again? And he just looked at me and he's like, Bobby, you might have to accept that your days of being an athlete are over. And I thought, no, that I might not be an athlete now, but I will find my way back to that. I don't know how, I don't know what that's going to look like. And like I say, it took five or six years to the point where all my numbers were back in where they should have been, like in normal. But then I found out that, you know, you spend that much time in bed because the majority of that time, I, I, you know, I couldn't do very much. You lose your strength, your endurance. So it took probably another five years to make it all the way back. So every time now when I'm out, like I'm mountain, I ride mountain passes. I cross country ski. I do all this stuff outside. Every day I'm out there. It's like, I don't care if I'm slow Mm -hmm. because I'm out there. You know what I mean? Like it's a victory. It is something to be grateful for every single day.
0: So that is amazing because the five-year journey, the thing that stands out is, I mean, people get a college degree shorter than that. And even that looks like a daunting task for some folks. And and if you look at the journey of five years to get back to living the kind of life that you want for yourself, expect for yourself, and deserve for yourself, what keeps you going in the early stages when you have so far to go?
1: Oh, man. That is a really good question. Part of it... to say this part of it was a little bit of ignorance i didn't know how far i had to go (laughs) like i really didn't understand and then what really helped though this was about this is kind of sad but 18 months in i found a doctor that i really believed in and she was the first person that said i've seen this before and i can help you and that was powerful having someone that says i know this journey i know what it will take that was huge and then she gave me like, so then it was just what actions do I have to take? Because what I kept thinking when that first doctor said only 3% will experience a full recovery, I thought, okay, well then what do those 3% know that I don't know? Mm-hmm. And that's what we started, My husband, now my husband, what we really started looking at was doing that research. What are the steps we could take? So I'm a big believer in when I know an action I can take that I believe in, that's powerful. Yeah, And I really think pl- that, and the other thing I'd say to that is, even in my darkest day, I always thought I am an athlete. I never let go of that, that vision for myself. And ironically, before I got sick, Ted, I never like road cycled. Like, I didn't live in, I mean, I'd never done that before. And so, when, you know, to say I'm going to cycle a mountain pass, that wasn't possible before I got sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know>? and <laughs> And I think maybe that's a good thing. You know, I wasn't constrained by, I don't know, a limiting vision, I yeah. guess.
0: Yeah. So, this is the part where we, we jump into your expertise now because I'm seeing the innate mindset through the process of okay, what does that 3% know that I don't? Finding yeah. the action, believing in it, and taking those actions. You know, what are some of the mistakes people make before they start some of these daunting tasks? Because I mean, I know a lot of us might not have that daunting task of regaining our physical strength, but maybe somebody listening has a business idea that they've been sitting on Mm. for so long and they haven't gotten started yet because of their fear of how much work it's going to take. How do they get those steps and get that mindset?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing is, and this is one of the mistakes I see a lot of people make, they think they have to have the entire plan before they get started. And some people think that way. And that's fantastic. If you're one of those planners, visionaries, and that works for you, fantastic. But if you're not, that's okay, too. In that case, so let go of that attachment of I have to have everything planned. Because here's the thing, you can get started and get thrown off your game right? Who's the boxer? There's some boxer that always said like, you have a plan for your fight until you get punched in the face. Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson. <laughs> and it's so true. It's that way in business. It's that way in your health. It's everything, right? So don't put too much attachment to having the whole plan. That's number one. And then there is something that I call it, learn your way forward. And it's something that I think is really helpful. And it's basically like a triple A approach. So the first one is to find some action that you believe in. And it can be a small action or it can be a big action, but do not like discount the power of a small action. So find an action you believe in. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is to take that action and then to assess what did I learn? How did it go? And then the third thing, the third A is to adapt. So based on taking the action, based on assessing, what do I need to adapt in the future? You know, did it work the way that I thought it did or whatever? So that's really, that to me is like the engine that keeps you moving forward. You know what I mean? I didn't write this
0: question down, but based on that example, are you afraid of failure?
1: (laughs) When I was younger, probably I probably was. And now it's like, you know what? The best way for me to learn is to jump in. And because here's the thing. And I don't think of it as, as failure because if I learn, that's not failure. You know, I think about, I think it was Nelson Mandela who said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Yeah. And that's the way it is. You know, and I think I shared when we were talking before about tackling some of the tougher runs and cross-country skiing. And my husband grew up skiing. So he's like amazing. And every time I fall, he, he says to me, he's like, that's a good thing. Because if you're not falling once in a while, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Yeah. And I think that's wise. Now, he does wait till I get up. Like, if I'm still laying on the ground trying to get up, he doesn't say it then. He waits until I'm back on my feet, which is a smart move. (laughs) See, I got to take
0: notes because uh, we mentioned (laughs) snowboarding. And I've taught a couple friends of mine how to snowboard. And I used to call it the fall. And every time when you're out there, I don't care how experienced or how novice you are, there would always be a fall that... (gasps) knocks the wind (laughs) out of you. And when I would teach someone how to snowboard and they fall and I hear that, I'd start clapping. And they would look at me and be like, what is wrong with (laughs) you?
1: you?
0: I said, congratulations, you just got over the hardest fall of the day. That's right. Let's go. And that was kind of like my mindset was like, hey, you've gotten over the hardest fall of the day. Most likely, that's as bad as it's going to be. Take time. Catch your breath. Let's get up and do it again because now you know what the worst is.
1: That's right. That's big. (laughs) Yeah. And that's been
0: huge pushing forward. What do you say to somebody who wants to get started, but they don't know the next step?
1: Oh, okay. So with that, I think a few things, giving yourself some margin. And here's one of the problems, I think, because we're so, as a society, we're always running at the red line. You know, we have no margin. And I think finding a way to have margin, that's important because that allows us to be more creative, right? It allows us to think in bigger terms. So there's that. And another thing would be reach out beyond yourself. You know, talk to people who are doing what you want to do or something similar to what you want to do or read or listen to podcasts, but some way to bring in new information. Because like when I was back in my early 20s, I realized that the people I was surrounded by, they were all basically on the same path I was. How was I going to change anything if that's what my environment was? And so at that point, I had to make kind of a, Like I decided to move from Southwest Missouri. That's where I was living at the time. I moved from there and my family was there. And I said, I have to change my environment because I have to start bringing in new information. So I think that those two things, the margin and new information.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like you read my questions before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I promise. (laughs) Well, because
0: I think there's so many of us who we get stuck in a routine habit. We have things the Mm -hmm. way we like them. I've lived 20 miles away from my home my whole life. I don't Mm -hmm. want to change it. And we resist that change. We resist something new in our lives. We just want things the way they are. Don't change what I have going on. Mm -hmm. How can we kind of break that mindset and start embracing some of these changes and maybe (sighs) expand our horizons and perspectives a little bit?
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think for some people, they're very happy with the way things are. And if we're happy, fantastic, right? If that's part of our true and authentic self and that's making us happy, that's leading to a fulfilling life, fantastic. Don't change it. It's when I think we have that voice inside of us where we think there's something more or is there something more? Could there be something more? Or I want there to be something more. That's when we have to embrace change as part of it. I was reading something today and I'm not going to remember it right, but it was something like change is part of, you know, it's how you go from pursuing your dreams to achieving your dreams. Mm. Because if you're not achieving your dreams right now, that means something has to change, Yeah, you know? So I think part of it is just really embracing that. And hopefully people will have, you know, people around them that support that. And we don't always have that. Like, I Mm. remember when I told my parents I was gonna go to college, (laughs) I might as well have said, you know, I'm gonna go rob a bank. (laughs) They didn't really like, why, why would you do this? And so I think it's connecting back to what's important to me. What do I know to be true in my heart for me and being true to that? And that's not always an easy question.
0: So this is something huge. And I hope you don't mind if I ask, do you know (laughs) why your parents were against school? Because I know for so many people, when they get an entrepreneurial journey, and I call it friction, right, where some people, they start. Having a different mindset, and they start trying things, and those mm-hmm. closest to them give them the most inertia, the most friction. And yes. I always say, you know, a plane takes off against the wind, you need the wind against you to take off. Mm-hmm. But that could be very hard for some when the people closest to them don't see their vision, and they're more of the wind against their wings and the wind in their sails. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to whatever you can share in that regard, why I guess schooling was such a difficult pill to swallow for your parents and for the family. And how did yeah. you overcome that?
1: Well, I honestly don't know other than the fact that you got to think about, you know, where I grew up and, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and we lived on a farm in Southwest Missouri. So it was hard work. There was no sitting around watching TV. (laughs) It was hard work. And my dad, he always provided very well. He was a superintendent on construction jobs. And to them, it's like schools just, you know, education is is something that's expensive that you don't really need, you know, to be successful. When you were talking there, Ted, though, about the inertia and the people around you, it triggered a, a memory of mine. I was in a relationship once and we started growing apart. Because I was growing in a different direction, and I think that he was kind of threatened mm-hmm. by the fact that I was changing. And that, to me, I think kind of made our paths diverge a little bit. And from that, I always thought, okay, you know, because then that, that relationship broke up for a lot of reasons. But I think that, that was part of it because, you know, I may, maybe it just threatened him. And I always thought, I want to make sure that I'm surrounding myself in the future with people who are his growth mindset growth-oriented as I am, that don't see change as something that we should, you know, that threatens us or that intimidates us. So that's kind of what triggered for me when, when you asked that question. And as far as like with my parents and my family, I just had to stay true to, you know, this is important to me. And sometimes this was hard. Sometimes my family would plan family reunions on days when they knew I had my final exams. And then it was like, and then they'd be like, well, you know, you're not putting your family first. And it's like, hey, I love my family. I'd do anything for them. And I've made a decision to go to school. And part of that is I'm showing up for my final exams. And it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversation. And, you know, eventually we worked our way through it, but I just had to stay true to what, to that inner voice. So I don't even know if that's helpful, but that's just how I did it.
0: Yeah. And I think it really is because, I mean, there's this thing called intuition, right? Our gut yeah, and and the things that we just, we know we have to do for ourselves. And you hear it all the time where, you know, the people around you, they're threatened because they think you're leaving them. It's not that they don't want you to be successful. It's not that they don't want you to enjoy your life. They don't want you to leave them. And when you're taking care of yourself, that can come across as threatening to those who love you so much, but The reality is they want you to be happy, but they want you to be happy with them. But when you do it for yourself, you in essence are doing it for them as well, which I'm sure because Mm -hmm. of your schooling, because of the success you've been able to enjoy, you're probably able to spend more time with family. You're probably able to pour more into family because of the, let's say, short period of selfishness that you had to go through.
1: Yeah. And my little sister, she went on to college as well, you know, so I started a, a bad trend there, <laughs> you know? yeah. but it, but I think too, it's like when people realize you're not going anywhere, you're just being you, you know, you're being true to who you are Yeah. and yeah, who are you going to listen to? You know, yeah. that's part of it.
0: I love that. So I want to talk about the journey into coaching and okay. how that started and what it's like seeing a client of yours come in and then see them blossom over time after watering them for a while. What's that experience been like and, and how did that first spark for you?
1: Okay, so I think that the coaching, I think it kind of really grew out of my own personal story. You know, like, mm-hmm. what is it you, you learn what you need to learn and then you want to teach other people? Yeah. <laughs> and you want to help people with it? So I think that's part of it. And as far as the, and, and what's interesting about that too, if I look back over the course of my life, no matter what I've done, coaching and training has been just a big piece of it. Like even as a kid, when I was a kid, I was really, really good in math. And when I was in the first grade, I like I was allowed to work ahead. And I was through the fourth grade math book, believe it or not, because now I hate math. <laughs> because then they said, Well, you can't go any farther yep, because you know you're too far ahead. So then my teacher had me start coaching some of my classmates. And I loved that. So I think it's just part of who I am. And I come from a family of teachers. So I think it's kind of just in our blood. Mm-hmm. But the other part of your question about how does it feel when you see someone make those breakthroughs? I think that's what I live for. You know, that's why you put not put up with, but that's why you do some of the other stuff, you know, because those moments, those are just priceless. And you know that like it has such a far reach, mm-hmm. like you affect one person and then that how you've affected them and it affects other people. And that just makes me excited.
0: Yeah. No, that's amazing. So much so, I want to paint the picture for our listeners, right? And our watchers on YouTube. I want to paint that picture of, so here you are at point A. You have this project, this business, this podcast, this book you want to write, this thing you want to start. And you finally start taking the action steps. You go through it to the point where you get to fully immersing yourself in this project and seeing it into fruition. Really quick, paint for us what it looks like to fully embrace that. And I always say pursuit of potential or pursuit of goals, because I do feel for me personally, this is a lifelong journey. I'm always going to learn things. I'm always going to grow. I'm always going to try elevating myself. I'm always satisfied, but dissatisfied with my satisfaction. Right. Yeah. But what does it look like stepping into that journey and really starting to see the fruits of your labor?
1: And when you say, what does it look like, you know, like how do they start or what does the whole journey look like? I just want to make sure I answer the right question.
0: Yeah. I would (laughs) say how, how does the journey feel? Maybe feel is more of a better description, right? Of actually that fulfillment, because I know so many of us, like you mentioned before, have that, there has to be more, there has to be more. Yeah. And that's why I say like satisfied with my dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be dissatisfied with the life I'm living because I love what I've built but there's always a desire for more. And I guess, what is that feeling like? How do we know when we've arrived there?
1: Ooh, I don't know if we ever arrive. To your point, like, I don't know if we ever really arrive. And for me, it is kind of recognizing when I've hit a plateau. Mm -hmm. You know, like even on my health journey, that's a good example there were a few times where I hit a plateau and I was like, okay, things aren't bad. I'm not in bed every day. You know, it's better than what it was. I can go for walks. And my husband would say to me, he's like, that's terrific. And if that's everything you want, I a hundred percent support it. Mm -hmm. And is it, is it enough? And that's one of those questions I ask myself a lot because I'm very happy with like with what we've created. And at the same time, it's like, is there more, you know, is there more? So I'm always trying to look at, have I hit a plateau? Because if I've hit a plateau, it's time to make a decision. You know, am I going to continue to go forward? Am I going to say, is this enough? You know, and all those answers are okay. It just depends on what's important to us. So I'm always looking for the plateaus, if that makes sense.
0: No, it absolutely does. Because it kind of goes back to a previous point with the embracing of change. Because for me, when I work out and I would go to the gym and I would bench press and I'd have my whole (sighs) regimen, I would hit a plateau in strength. And yep. the trainers would tell me, "It's like, well, you need to change up your workout. You have to work your muscles out in a different way, so they can experience growth in different areas. So you can get past that plateau." And I imagine that translates to so many other
1: areas of lives So life. many, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a great. That's a great metaphor because it's the yeah. same thing.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So changing it up. So what are the rainbows? I always love asking our guests the goals, the ambitions that they're chasing in the next couple weeks, months, Mm. years, maybe? What are the rainbows or the plateaus you're looking to break coming up here soon?
1: Well, that's a good question. We are working with a marketing company right now so that we're rebranding the website long, long overdue. So that's exciting getting ready to launch some online courses which i've been thinking about for a while because i've always like a lot of my clients have been in the corporate world and i'm like why is this stuff just stuck with corporate clients so why not you know do something that we can share with more people so that's kind of it i think that <laughs> on a personal note i shared with you we just got the two rescue dogs yeah. so i'm embarking on dog training which is a whole new experience and the big goal there is to be able to go skiing with the dogs Which, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I don't know if I can do it or not. But that's the big goal there. And then the summer, you know, because that's coming up. And I have some goals as far as the road cycling. Mm -hmm. Last year, we had so many fires out here. I wasn't able to do very many of the passes because it was just, you know, affected. So I want to get back to that. Although I I did put in quite a few miles last year, but I want to do more miles this year.
0: Nice. Always breaking past those plateaus, right? That's
1: right. That's right. (laughs) And here you can clearly see it too. Like, oh, okay. I went past that point.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Actually, we did my fiance and I did 75 hard not too long ago. And there's a bike trail right near us. And when we first started, one of the challenges was you have to work out twice a day, 45 minutes each one has to be outside. So our outside workout was either a weighted vest walk or a bike ride. And Bobby, when we started the bike ride, I put the timer on 23 and a half minutes, go and then see where we are and then come back. And Every time throughout the 75 days, we get a little farther, a little farther, a yeah. little farther, and we push ourselves to the last day on the 75th day. We went the farthest that we've ever gone, and we're sitting there exhausted at the end, like, oh, <laughs> <sighs> we beat it. But there's something to say about those visual little benchmarks that you can yeah. make along the
1: way. <laughs> it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And people say to us all the time, they're like, why? Because like, it's hard. When you're cycling a mountain pass, mm-hmm. you're putting in a lot of effort and people are like why do you do it it doesn't look like very much fun and i'm like but the achievement's fun mm-hmm. to be able to break through something like go oh, like i could never go past that place before and then you go past it and you feel strong oh my god it's addicting yeah. it, it really is addicting
0: Yeah, it's self-empowering. And a lot of folks say, how do you build confidence? I say you build confidence by accomplishing something and keeping promises yourself to in one area. And when you see yourself break through those plateaus and you see those little benchmarks and checkpoints that you can get past, you go, huh, well, where else can I improve in life?
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> well, Bobby,
0: I want to make sure that our audience and our listeners can follow up with you and maybe keep an eye out for your courses when they launch and, and all that. What are some links and social media networks they can reach out to you on?
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking. So best place is through the website. It's just bobbycatler.com and it should be live. The new one should be live in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited. It's so overdue. And then I'm pretty active on LinkedIn so they can find me there. I'm also on Facebook, not quite as active there. And then of course, you know, my podcast is Unyielded, Thriving No Matter What. And yeah, I think kind of we we share a kinship there in how we kind of view life.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> it's all about improvement going past those hard times. And I'm going to have all those links in the show notes too, so our listeners they can open up the app right there, go ahead and click them and find out all of your contacts and whatnot. And I'll be sure to send you a LinkedIn contact after this. I'm actually on LinkedIn as well. But Bobby, this has been very, very valuable, very helpful. And I appreciate you just not only sharing your story, but your expertise with us today.
1: Happy to. It was such a pleasure to be here. This was fun.
0: (laughs) It was. It was a lot of fun. And I'm going to recap some of the things that you said along the way for our listeners. Make sure they didn't miss some of the gems that you dropped along the way because you want to make sure they put it in the pocket and take it (laughs) home with them as they go. First, you mentioned write your own story. I think so many of us find ourselves living a life that doesn't feel like our own. And I think that's one of the worst feelings to have when you look around and you think none of this is mine, but the pen is in your hand. And I want to encourage the listeners to start writing their own story, because if the decisions you said before, the choices you've made is really where you are. might sound hard to accept but that's also empowering because you make the choices from here on out and you get to write your next chapter i didn't know how far i had to go i always think of the mindset of head down just do the work The, the staircase looks intimidating but you could take that next step take that next step so keep looking at the staircase don't look at the top look down at the next step and keep taking those steps and you'll you'll be amazed at how far you go when you finally look up when bobby mentioned i am an athlete i knew i was an athlete There is an identity that we all need to lock ourselves into and know that that is us, regardless of what outside evidence might prove or what others might think. We can create our identity and go towards it. And I loved how connected Bobby was to her identity, knowing that she was an athlete and then let go of the plan. I just did a whole business plan on meetings and events company. And of course, with the pandemic, that went out the window the moment the plan was done. So you can plan as much as you want, but understand you're going to have a pivot once it's time to take action, which I had to break down what Bobby said about find the action, the small action, take the action, assess it, and adapt moving forward. So much value in this episode. And also when you hit a plateau, Maybe try and identify some areas where you can change and elevate along the way. That is how we continue to not only get better in the gym with working out, but that's how we get better in life, always growing. Don't stay stagnant. Be satisfied with your dissatisfaction and keep on going after it. Bobby, one more time. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Yes, it was. I I had a great time and I'll be following up on you with LinkedIn for sure. And I just want to make sure that our listeners, if you guys made it to the end of the episode and you enjoyed it, please give us a like, hit that subscribe button so you can catch a new episode every week. Share this with a friend if you think they'll get value from it. That's the most complimentary thing you could do for us is sharing it with a friend. Leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. The only way you improve is when you let us know what we're doing wrong or what we're doing right. We could do more of that as well. And if you love the podcast so much, you want to support monetarily, we have a Patreon page where you can hear more from Bobby and some of our other listeners. Guys, thank you so much for making it to the end with us. And as we always say at the end, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.